Good morning. Welcome to Alpine Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and uh, we just want to say a special warm welcome to you if you're new or visiting with us for the very first time. And we are so excited that you are here with us, and we hope that, uh, that you feel welcome and you feel at home. Uh, for those of you who have been around a while, uh, I have to apologize, I suppose. I've been here like three, three times in a row. And so uh, if, if, you wanna, if you feel like you need to get up and go because you don't want to hear me again, I won't hold any offense. Uh, as long as you don't throw tomatoes at me during the service, I think we'll be good. Uh, but we're just really, really grateful that you're here. And like Trevor said, we made it right through 2020. Uh, why don't we do something real quick? I think this is, uh, this is for all of us. Everybody raise your right hand. Raise, raise it up real high, yeah? If you're left-handed, you can go ahead and do that. We're not going to hold it against you. Now take it and go like this, right? <laughs> because we made it, you deserve a, a raise uh, you deserve whatever it is because we just made it through probably the craziest year of our lives I think many of us <laughs> we will ever experience. Uh, uh, but we're glad that you're here. And we know what this time of year brings, don't we? Uh, the new year is uh, a time for new beginnings, right? It's those New Year's resolutions. It's the uh, opportunity for us to maybe change some things in our life that we don't really like or you know, some things that we want to see different in us, uh, things that have uh, brought about uh, maybe anxiety or fear or de depression. Uh, we just want to change things about ourselves. And there's something about the new year that just kind of allows us to do that. And one thing I want to change about myself is making sure that I excuse the youth every second service. Uh, so if you are a youth age student, you can head out to room two uh, down this hallway uh, right now. Uh, but again, this, this time of year uh, just gives us the opportunity to make some of those decisions. But really, I think what happens is uh, before we get to the expectation of, you know, something new in our lives, before we can even see that come into fruition, we fail, don't we? Or we set up these lofty expectations and these lofty goals, and we fall short of those goals uh, for whatever reason it might be. You know, there's a study that says that 80% of New Year's resolutions fell by the first week of February. Right, And so many of us, we have all these the great expectations of what we want to change and what we want to see different in our lives, uh, but what happens is, is we let them go, and, and they oftentimes fail before they even start. And then we end up in the same place, in the same feeling about ourselves, the same depression, the same addiction, the same rut, if you will, uh, because we haven't really set up the discipline in our life. You know, what we're going to be doing here in this series, we're going to be looking at some disciplines that I really think uh, can last. In fact, I think that they, uh, if we apply them to our lives, they can change our lives so dramatically that we'll long to want to experience these disciplines. And I believe that comes when we are connected in relationship with Jesus Christ. So maybe you're here today uh, for the very first time, and, and, and I'm glad you're here. You know, God brings everyone uh, here on purpose. There's, there's definitely no doubt in my mind that you're here for a reason, and, and my hope for you is that you would experience the living God, uh, that you would take your next step in your journey, in your pursuit of God in faith. And so maybe for you today that's saying, I need Jesus in my life, and that's why I'm here. You know, maybe for some of you, you uh, have been a follower of Jesus Christ and you've kind of let those disciplines, spiritual disciplines, kind of go to the wayside a little bit. And for you, it's saying, God, I want to recommit my life. I want to submit it to you. I want to make uh, my relationship with you, God, the most important thing 
in my life. And so wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, we want to help you get to the next level. We want to, to help you have a breakthrough in your life, if you will. You know, I believe that the secret to life isn't, you know, healthy goals and habits, you know, going to the gym and eating right and all those things. All those things are very important. But I believe that the most important thing that we can have in our life are healthy spiritual habits. First and foremost, I think it's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then the overflow of that is that we would develop habits to where we are connected with Him. You know, I think for many of us, we think in our culture that it's okay to come to church, you know, every Sunday for an hour, and that's really enough in our relationship with God. And then maybe, you know, kind of the icing on the cake is if we hit a small group midweek. So we've got a couple hours that we're kind of connecting with God. Maybe you serve an hour. But in reality, I don't believe that any of that is enough. In fact, I I think uh, that it's a lot more than that. Jesus wants to be connected with us every moment of every day. And the way that we can do that is to develop a, a cultivating relationship with Him. And again, for some of you, it might be starting from scratch. Uh, For some of you, it might be getting back to being consistent in those things. And for for some of us, it just means going deeper in our relationship with God. And again, wherever we're at, we want to help us get to the next level. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you uh, that you have brought in everybody here for a reason. Wherever we are in our journey, Lord, would you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you uh, uh, urge us, God, would you nudge us to go to to the next level or to the next step in our relationship with you, God? And may these not be just momentary resolutions, you know, a New Year's goal. But in fact, God, that this would be something that would impact our lives forever. God, we trust in you to do that. Speak to us through your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So so today we're going to start with a definition of what a spiritual discipline is. We're really going to kind of give us an overview of the topic, if you will, that we're going to be looking at in the next five weeks. And and the four... Siri's starting to talk to me. Um, it's funny because someone in the, in the audience earlier had a ringtone, so make sure you turn off all your stuff. So here we go. Okay. So, so I'm even. Uh, but so w- where was I at? Okay. Here's the definition of a spiritual discipline for you. Uh, and again, this is something that we're going to kind of d- discuss today and then dig deeper into the next four weeks. Uh, a spiritual habit or a spiritual discipline is a purposeful habit that eventually makes you become more like Jesus. A spiritual discipline is a habit that you have in your life that connects you to Jesus, and eventually the result to that or the fruit of that would, would be we become to look more like Him. You know, if you grew up in church or maybe you've attended church, you know that there are some basic spiritual disciplines that, that people often talk about, right? There's this idea of prayer, where you're in communication with God. And some of us think that that's easy to do. Some of us think that's very difficult to do. Another one would be reading God's Word. And so we've heard of some of these basic spiritual disciplines, but in reality, there are many, many more. And our hope is that somewhere in this that you would find it in you to go and investigate these and to go to the next step, if you will, to tap in to all of them. And so what we'll see is that spiritual disciplines are healthy habits that we cultivate in our life that connect us to Jesus, and the more that we are connected to Jesus, the more we begin to look like Him. 
The more we are connected to Jesus, the more that our life leads to, to him, that displays our relationship with him. I remember when I was a young, just a young man, I was a senior, or just out of being a senior in high school, and uh, I was living in the world, man, I was a, 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 the, the sinner to the T. I mean, I had some addictions in my life, I was addicted to multiple uh, narcotics, and I was selling drugs, and I, was, I ran away from home. Uh, my mom, I, I would say I got kicked out, my mom would say I ran away, so I'm going to be honest and say I ran away from home, she's not here, but I ran away from home, and I was kind of running from God, and to make a very long story short, God got a hold of my life in a very dramatic way, and it changed me forever. He literally spoke to me, I felt like, and he said, this is your opportunity to leave this life, and I did. I was so fearful, and it was like, boom, okay, I'm done with this life. No addictions, nothing. Everything was gone, and so the logical thing for me was to go to church the next step, and so I met with Pastor Brian Dwyer, and he kind of spent some time with me and mentored me, and then I was about three to four months later, I was on an airplane to Bible college in Minneapolis, believe it or not. And so here I am, a young Bible college student, and I was as green as they come. I, mean, I didn't even know what, I mean, I knew the basics of church, but I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know any of these things. And I remember showing up on campus, getting ready to learn about the Bible, and I didn't even know hardly anything about the Bible. And so my interaction with reading God's Word, maybe some of you can relate to this, was opening up the Bible and sticking your finger on a passage and saying, okay, this is God speaking to me. Well, that's really cool in some areas, but if you come around like Deuteronomy chapter 20 through 28, you're going to get freaked out really quick, I promise. And so you come to that passage, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? And you know, I, I remember uh, th- there was a, a resident advisor on our floor, in the fifth, uh, on the fifth floor, in Elliott Hall at, at my Bible college at North Central University, who, who saw something in me, and, and he realized that I was new and kind of floundering and not really knowing what to do. And he taught me what it meant uh, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, he, he taught me how to pray. I had no idea how to pray. I literally didn't even know. I mean, I would just prayer and petition to God. God, what are you going to say to me? And he never said anything really. I didn't feel like it. And so I was like, what, what's going on here, you know? But he, he taught me how to pray. And I'll never forget this. It's the PRAY acronym. You may, may have heard it. It's P-R-A-Y. So the first is to praise. God, I praise you for what you've done in my life. God, I thank you for all of the blessings and the benefits that you've given me. You are a good God, a gracious God. And then it moves into the R, which is to repent. God, I have things in my life, sins that are separating me from you, but you love me so much that I can come to you and ask for forgiveness. And may you do that. And then I move into asking you to to do what you need to do in my life. The A, ask God, what is it that you need to do in me? And then why is to yield and to say, God, would you speak to me? And would I follow your lead? See, I never knew how to do that. But I learned how to pray. And then he taught me how to read the Bible. He said, dude, don't start in Deuteronomy. Start in John. Because that's a little bit more about who Jesus is and what he's done. And as I began to read the Gospel of John, I, had my, I was mind blown at who Jesus was and how he loves us and how he was God and how he stepped from heaven to earth to be in relationship with me, a broken punk from Roy, Utah. I couldn't even believe it. But the most important thing that he taught me, and I'll never forget this, he said, listen, what's going to happen in your life? As you press into your relationship with Jesus, the enemy, his name is Satan, he's going to do everything in his power to get you away from that. 
And he, he said to me, there are going to be times where you are in wanting, to, wanting to pray and wanting to read God's word, and he's going to say, no, it's not worth it, and, he, and he's going to bring something else into your attention. You're not going to want to do those things. You're not going to want to engage in that. And he said, the more that happens, the more you press into God, and the more that you press into God, the more that he is going to become alive and active in your life, and the more rewarded you're going to be. And as I did that, he changed my life. And you see, that's what I want for every single one of us. First of all, is to start a relationship with God, but then to develop healthy habits that, that cultivate that relationship, that change who we are, that, that give us life and life to the full. You know, Jesus said that I am here to do that, to bring life to you. Uh, he, we read this in John 15. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I love this analogy. And it says that, that, that Jesus is the vine. You think of a, a healthy tree that is giving life. And, and out of that are these branches. And we are God's people chosen by him to produce fruit. And when we engage in a relationship with him, when we are, are, have him at the center of our life, our lives begin to produce healthy fruit. But then he says, apart from me, you are nothing. And you know what I've realized in my life? The more connected that I am with Jesus, the more that I'm displaying him in my life. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this fruit that Jesus was mentioning in Galatians 5, through 23. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The more that I'm connected with Jesus, the more these things are evident in my life. And I've found the less connected I am with him, the less I am in his word, the less connected I am with him in prayer, the less that I'm doing those things, the less that these things are happening in my life. You know, the, the, the less that I am connected to God, the less patient I am. I mean, I look at these lists and I think, man, there is a lot of room for growth in me. And my hope is that you would look at them and feel the same way. You know, for me, it's, it's patience. I need more patience. If you know anything about me, I go from zero to 60 in two seconds. My kids would say one when it comes to discipline and anger, right? I, it's, I, I just, very high emotionally, very low emotionally, and it's very, very fast. And I need to learn how to be patient in that. I need more peace. I'm a pessimist at nature. Anybody in here pessimistic? It's like, I'm always looking for the bad things, right? It's always going to the negative. And there's people that are optimists, and I look at them and I think, man, what a great life. It's probably fake is what I really think, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is the more I'm connected to Jesus, the more that I'm going to display these fruits in my life. If I want to overcome difficulty in relationship, I need to be connected to Jesus, if I want to overcome addiction or sin or bad habits or bad relationships, if I want to overcome these things, I need to be connected to the only one who can give life and life to the full. And the Bible says that that is Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And here's what's so humbling is that the almighty God wants that relationship with you and me. He wants to be in a personal relationship with us. He wants us to be connected in, in him, and he wants us to cultivate that relationship with intentional spiritual disciplines. You know, 
We've talked about prayer and Bible reading, but there's so many more. And here's just a list, uh, just a long list of so many. And we come to this list, and, and, and these are things that we can uh, do to be connected with God. You know, we, we look at connection, that's going to church and being a part of a body or being a part of a small group. Giving. Now, giving's a very hard one, isn't it? Because I work hard for my money. I go to work and I, I cash in and, and this is about me and I got bills to pay. And all of those things need to line up. But in reality, you see, the Bible says that God gives everything to us. Every good gift, including finances, is from the king of heaven. And you say, I need to understand that I'm just a manager of God's money. It's all his. I'm just a manager of it. You see, that's a spiritual discipline, something that needs work in our lives. You know, fasting, you know, that's giving up something in our life. You know, many people think, well, I just got to go a a certain amount of time without food. That's a way to fast, yes. But you know what? Fasting means putting your phone down for an hour. Fasting means, you know, getting off social media for a little bit. Fasting means that you give away the things that you love for something uh, that is more important, that we should love more, and that's Jesus in our life. There's meditation, waiting on the Lord, solitude, getting away, you know, journaling, writing down what God's done in your life so that when you're in the midst of difficulty, you can go back and see, see, God was faithful there. I remember that. You know, there's so many things that we can get into. Frugality, I mean, this is one for me. I'm always, you know, when the new iPhone comes around, I'm always waiting for that, right? I have a, a, I'm driving in a car, it was like one of our first cars, and I'm driving this car, it's a 2007 uh, and I'm driving it because I'm going to give it to my son. And I pray every day when I get in that car that it doesn't break down. I do. And, and also, I think, God, I can't wait to get a new car. You know, <laughs> like, I'm just being honest. But there's a time where we don't have to have the newest, latest, greatest. That's a difficult thing for me. I mean, there's just so many things that we can practice. You know, silence. Sometimes that's just resting in God. You know, secrecy. It's doing something for someone without telling the world about it. You know, because really our character is what we do when no one's looking. And so these are all things that we can do. You know, one thing that that I really love about this list that I think uh, if we practice some of these things, uh, we can always come to this last one, which is celebration. You see, God, throughout the Old Testament, he gave them times to remember and to celebrate. And you see, when we begin to connect with God, we too have time of celebration because of who he is and how faithful he is in our life. All of these things, and many more, are meant for us to stay connected to Jesus. They're ways for us to connect with the living God. And some of you might be like, well, look, that all sounds great, <laughs> but, but I don't even know where to start. Well, my hope for you is that you would get into a relationship, maybe a mentoring relationship. We have avenues with people that you can begin to have conversations with on how to become this or even how to know who Jesus is. We want to help you take the next step because I believe that if you do, if you start a relationship with God and you begin to cultivate it, he will change your life, not just for a day or for a year, but forever, forever. First point is this, is that spiritual disciplines aren't about earning God's favor. They're not about, you know, saying, look, God, at what I'm doing. God, if I do these things, you give this to me. Spiritual disciplines aren't about that. But what they are about is to experience the fullness of life that comes in a relationship with Jesus, who is the giver of life. You know, I think when it comes to religion and even spiritual disciplines, we come to them and we're we're burdened. Like, 
you know, I'm not really good at this. I've never been able to, to pray. I've never been able to read God's word. I've never really had a desire to it. Maybe I have and I haven't really known how. And so you, you beat yourself up. Surely a, a holy God, if I'm not doing these things, well, how could he possibly love me? Or, you know, you begin to think, well, man, I got a lot going on in my life. I got a family. We're running around. I got a job. When I get home, I'm tired. You know, the last thing that I want to do is cultivate some time uh, to, to get into religion or God, like whatever it might be. And we, we have this burden upon us. But you see, that, that isn't from God. You see, what it is, is that a spiritual discipline is a privilege for us, not a burden. Jesus said, my, my yoke is light or, or easy and my burden is light. And what he was saying in that is like engaging in a relationship with me isn't difficult. What it is, is it's submitting yourself to me and letting me work through you. You see, I do all the work. I begin to change you. And as you're connected to me, you begin to experience that life that you want. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus is literally waiting for us to engage in this relationship. And we think, well, we have never done it, so he must not love us. But that's not true. He's waiting for you to say, God, I'm ready. So wherever you are, you can take that next step. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. It's not, you know, I think what happens is the enemy says, look, you're not good enough. You're right, you're never going to be good enough. And sometimes the enemy might say, well, look at you, you have all this stuff, you're puffed up in knowledge, right? The enemy will do everything in his power to get us away from what God really has in store for us. You know, I think of, uh, I think of the apostle Paul when he wrote this. I mean, you, you may know the story of the apostle Paul. Uh, he was a religious elitist. He was a Pharisee, and he was of the highest sect, and so he literally would have been like the upper echelon of, of religion. And so uh, what they would do is they made it a point that everyone knew how great they were in, in knowing God's Word. I mean, they had the, the first five books of the Old Testament memorized word for word. Uh, they would stand on the street corner and say, look what I'm giving. They would pray aloud, and they would say, hey, look at me. Look what's going on in my life. And so Paul, he was practicing spiritual disciplines, but for all of the wrong reasons. And listen to what he says in Philippians 3.7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, Paul, what happened, if you know the story of the Apostle Paul, he went from being a Pharisee, a religious elitist, and he changed to, he experienced Jesus Christ in a miraculous way. And Jesus got a hold of his life and completely changed him around. And you see, what Paul began to realize is that this isn't like about me or what I can do or how close I can even be to God or to show him on display who I am. No, it's all worthless. The only thing that has value is Jesus. Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the ability for us in a relationship with him to have life and to have eternal life. And he said, once I get that, the overflow of that is that my life begins to display those things. That I begin to be, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that people would begin to see that it's not about religious boxes being checked. It's not about not doing enough or doing too much. It's all about Jesus and the fruit of that is that I would stay connected to him. And again, the enemy lies to us. And Jesus warned of this. He said in John 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
His purpose is to lie and to tell us we're not valuable, we're not good enough. He wants us to feel burdened. He wants us to feel defeated. He wants us to think that there's not enough time. He wants us to get away from what God has for us. But Jesus said this, my purpose for you, my purpose for you is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And the way that we do that is when you're in relationship with me, when you're connected to me, when you are engaging in that. And so what does this mean for us practically? Like, what does this mean? And what does it mean to be connected with God? Well, I believe that it's number one, the most important thing that you can do in your life is submit to Jesus Christ and to begin a relationship with him. The Bible says it's very easy. Because of sin, we're all separated from God. It's an eternal separation. It's a chasm. God is holy. Sin, he cannot sin. And because of our sin, it separates us from God. But he didn't leave us there in our sin. In fact, what he did was he sent Jesus from heaven to earth to live the life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we deserved on the cross, but to defeat death, to raise to new life, to fix that chasm so that we can be in relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that, we would love to to show you how. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans um, 10, 9, and 10, uh, that you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If you do that, the Bible says you are saved. From that point on, you can then begin to engage in a relationship with the almighty, living, holy, and righteous God. Now, the truth of the matter is this isn't just, again, momentary. It's not just, you know, one day or one year even. This is a lifestyle. And that really leads us to our last point. The secret to breakthrough is a lifestyle of preparation, not just a momentary effort. You know, I think for many of us, uh, like it's really easy in those momentary moments of connecting with God, right? You know what I mean? Like it's like when the red and blue lights come on, right? And you're like, okay, God, save me from this ticket after you've said like two or three swear words, right? So you don't, you don't really ask for forgiveness of the swear words, but you're asking that you don't get a ticket. So next time, pray for forgiveness for the swear words and then pray to God for the ticket. But when the going gets tough in our life, you know, it's easy to ask God for a miracle, isn't it? When things are difficult, when things are above and beyond our reach, the very first words that usually come out of our mouth are what? God. God, please. God, help. You know, God, what are you going to do in this situation? But the truth is, is that God wants more than just momentary prayers. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to develop a relationship, a personal relationship with you and me. And part of a personal relationship means communication and time together and developing and cultivating that relationship with the way that we live our life. You see, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be connected to him, to the vine at all times in everything that we do. But it's not just moment by moment. It's every day in our lives. You know, I think God does at certain times answer prayers in the moment. Miraculously, I think he does open and close doors. There are times in our life where it's like, okay, God, I can clearly see you working. But then there's more often than not the times where it's like, okay, God, where are you? Like, are you going to allow me to go through this? God, why aren't you opening and closing doors? God, why are you allowing this situation to happen to someone who is serving you and who loves you? God, are you really there? God, if you're a loving God, why aren't you showing me love, right? Like, it's easier to kind of feel that way. And when we get to that point, it's easy to give up. 
But I'm telling you, if you just press on, sometimes God allows us to go through things and he allows us to endure difficult situations because he wants to get our attention. He wants us to be so dependent on him that in the midst of whatever situation, we are submitting to him and believing that he is in control. And we may not see the miracle here on earth, but he is faithful in everything that he does. I'm a sports guy. And I mean, I think of like the, the highest elitist of athletes, right? I mean, you see some of these guys, like I think of Kobe Bryant, you know, the late Kobe Bryant who, you know, how many times has he beaten the jazz alone? You know what I mean? He, Michael Jordan, jokers, right? Any jazz fans in here? No one cares. Okay, that's good. I do. I do. Still, I grew up in the 90s. Hurts. Uh, but, but I think of like Kobe Bryant and you look at him and you think, wow, look at this guy. He's a freak of nature, right? He never misses. You know, surely, I mean, he's got gifting, absolutely, but don't think for a second that he's just, you know, sitting on the wayside drinking soda and eating Cheetos all day long, right? Like, we know that that's not the case. You know, there have been stories about Kobe Bryant who literally after a loss in a game where he missed a shot, that he would go back to the gym after the game and he would practice till 2, 3 in the morning with the game the next day. I mean, these guys don't just get in there and all of a sudden, you know, are, are making buckets for no reason. There is a lifestyle of effort. The series that we've been basing this on is uh, on a book called The Spirit of Disciplines by Dallas Willard. And he talks about this. He says, the star performer himself didn't achieve his excellence by trying to behave in a certain way only during games. Instead, he chose an overall life of preparation, a life of preparation of mind and body to provide a foundation for his conscious efforts during the game. You know, if you want to win in everyday moments of life, if you want to win in in the moments day by day, it's a lifestyle of preparation and being connected to Jesus. But the truth is, the more you're connected to him, eventually it'll pay off in your life. You know, I've uh, come and gone on staff here at Alpine for, for a couple of times. Many of you know the story. I was a youth pastor, and then I went to another church in Oklahoma. The wind blew us right back to Utah, uh, if you've been to Oklahoma. And then I became the, the campus pastor here, and um, I took a position with a friend of mine who was a Christian author, and uh, there was some financial, uh, you know, just very difficult things and stealing money from people, including ourselves. And and just unethical things that asked us to leave. And, and I was, for a period there, about six months without a job. And uh, I, I remember, like, okay, what am I going to do? I've left Alpine Church now twice. And there's, if you know anything about Utah, there's not a lot of Christian churches around here. <laughs> so what am I going to do in life? I'm a pastor. That's on my resume. And so there was a friend of mine who offered me a job, and it was in a sales, software sales. And, and uh, I dreaded going to work to that job every single day. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I hated it. It provided very well financially, but I hated it because I felt like God had called me to ministry. And for about six months, the first six months of that job, I complained every day. Let me ask my wife. I was angry at God. God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? I felt like you were calling me to go work with this gentleman, and then this happened. And, and so I, I, I drifted further and further away from God. I'd wake up every morning. I'd be like, I don't want to go to this job. And so my calls would display anger and hatred and, and you know, what happened was, is in the middle of that, I started meeting with uh, a, a pastor named Dave Mickelson, and he began to mentor me, and, and he began to say to me, like, listen, God is doing everything in your life for a reason, 
And I was like, well, that's stupid advice because I feel like, I feel like I'm floundering. And he said, he's doing that for a reason. And I was like, well, why would God do that for a reason? He said, in the middle of that, you need to press in and see what God has for you. And so I said, okay. So I started praying more. I started reading God's word more. And for two years, battling off and on, okay, God, what are you doing? Okay, God, I trust you. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? God, I trust you. And the more that I began to do that, the more that I began to depend on him. And his word, his word said that he works all things for the good of those who love him. And in his timing, he will do what he needs to do in my life. And here I am today, again, for the third time, a pastor at Alpine Church. I share that story with you because there will be moments in life where it'll be difficult. But if we stay connected to Jesus, he will guide your path in everything that you do. And so wherever you're at, wherever you're stuck, wherever you need a breakthrough in your life, would you look to God, not the world, to change that in you? Now, we'll end with this uh, in Colossians 3, 5, and 10. And maybe this is something that you think through throughout the series. It says this, so put to death the sinful, and then it goes on to say earthly things lurking within you. And I think some of those earthly things aren't necessarily bad things. Things in life that we go about and we just fill our time with that aren't necessarily bad things. But he says, get rid of those things. Literally, put to death those things. And he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you are connected to the vine. As you are in Christ, you learn to know your creator and the result of that is become, you become more like him. If you want a breakthrough in your life, would you be connected to the giver of that life? And as you're connected to him, he would begin to change it in you. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that uh, you love us enough that you pursue us, uh, that you don't look upon us, God, uh, in judgment or condemnation, but instead, God, you look at us in love, and we thank you for that, God that you want to have a personal relationship with us. Lord, I pray that wherever we are in our journey here in this room today, each and every single one of us, Lord, that you would nudge us, that you would pull on our heartstrings to, to get us to take the next step in being connected with you. For some, that's meeting you for the very first time by accepting your free gift of love and grace and life. For others, it means getting back to the basics. God, getting back to being connected to you in everyday life. Lord, lead us to take the next step. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.